Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 628 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, Jasmine Harmon will be along. Of course, you'll know her from a place in the sun. Talking about how to avoid holiday scams. We'll be hearing from the team at Medical Alert and Dr. Hilary Jones as we talk about the importance of having some of your medical information available about your person should an emergency arise. Ian Billings will be joining us to talk about the book machine and an audible play that he has written and has been performed which is looking at the life of Peter Sellers. We'll be having a catch-up with Matthew Richards, finding out about not only his work as a piano tuner, but the latest from the George Formby Society. Week 13 will be along, having an atta with Wesley Smith, their guitarist, finding out about their Black Country Day mug and how they're getting on with their latest album production. We'll be talking to Stage Door Johnny as he hits one million followers on TikTok. It'd be great to hear from him. And Mark Lane lets us know about some tips when it comes to the wonderful world of gardening. You've seen him on the telly. We'll be able to have a little, little natter with him and find out how you can improve your garden as you may be having a few garden parties. It's a nice, safe way to spend time with friends and family outdoors over the summer months. That's all on the way on the show this week. <laughs> Richard Poynton is an absolute star. He is loved by those who see him on stage as Stage Door Johnny. However, he's branched out onto the internet too. Uh, he is on a million subscribers on TikTok, and that is not a shock. He's here to tell me more about what's going on. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? You're right. I'm very well, thank you. And uh, we're used to seeing you in Trey Trey Cabaret, and that's the sort of thing that normally keeps you well and busy, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, during the pandemic, we haven't been able to do any live shows. I did the first one, actually, on June 26th, two shows that were socially distanced. And it was a very strange experience getting back on stage. But yeah, that's the that's the normal kind of outlet I have for my creativity. And um, yeah, TikTok's been rather shocking to me I don't know if you're saying it's not a surprise to you it's been a massive surprise to me well I mean the the way in which uh, TikTok has reacted to your content um and the, the the absolute volumes of it you have produced when did you join uh well I first downloaded it back in March 2020 and yeah. I didn't really start using it properly until around about December of that year um mainly because I started using it to post little film reviews. And, and in December, I decided I was gonna watch a Christmas film every day, including all five Home Alone films. And I posted that, just me telling people I'm gonna watch five Home Alone films. And it got something like 4,000 views. And I was really annoyed because posts that I put loads of effort in seemed to have like 20. Like, <laughs> right, I'm gonna post consistently three times a day until I beat 4,000 views. I'm not having that be my most popular post. Um, and ever since then, it's just kind of snowballed to and now having a million followers it's just just insane but, but i'd say I, I i'm not surprised because you and your persona as 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 well as the richard we all know and love uh is you know such fun to uh to to, to, to be entertained by uh when you're on stage you are amazing entertaining and cruel in the right measure uh, <laughs> and uh when you uh you know, you're doing anything you put your heart and soul into it i know that much so the the, the sheer volume i think it was was the bit that surprised me when i flicked through your timeline because i've seen bits and pieces popping up i knew you were doing some stuff because i think we briefly mentioned it when you were talking about uh, some of your other projects when we were having a natter a few months back but yeah. so I had not expected anything like this and what's, it like? <laughs> what's, what's it like though when you get reactions to all this it's really bizarre it's really bizarre and I think as well because my day-to-day -day life hasn't changed in the slightest it feels very very strange because normally in a show I'm used to seeing the audience and seeing the reaction whereas here I'm just sat in my flat and then I'm post a video and then it's gone out into the ether and then I just go make a cup of tea so it's kind of gone and then I'll come back like 20 minutes later and all of a sudden it's got 20,000 views and it's just absolutely bonkers I really struggle to get my head around it. <laughs> well with a million followers you're prone to that I think because it will pop on a lot of people's timelines yeah. and I think TikTok has been quite uh, quite interesting for some of the, li the little things it does which none of the other platforms seem to do I mean we had Vine in the past and that that did yep. some stuff and that got kind of overtaken by a weird old world and that's uh, to the point at which sadly it is no more but yeah. TikTok's kind of found its own way and I, th I think the users have kind of learned 
learned a lesson from the past and uh, have decided they want to keep this one because it is such a great outlet, whether you're looking for a 30-second or a minute-long video. Uh, it's so bite-sized. I've, I've noticed that at some of your bits and pieces, you've got part one, part two, part three. And, and that seems to be uh, a bit of a theme running through TikTok. And the way in which people are, are using that to explore creativity is, is absolutely amazing. So, how would you how would you describe your channel at the moment? What can people expect if they go and check you out? All kinds of stuff. So basically, the the way that TikTok is laid out, you get three kind of um, streams, basically, I suppose, columns on your profile page, and I've kind of painted myself into a corner a little bit. So the first one. Um, I, when I started posting film reviews, loads of people were saying, oh, you've got such a lovely voice, I would love to hear you um, read the phone book, and that would be amazing. Um, and it's something I'd never really considered before. And then I and the GDPR implications of that are a nightmare, so don't do that. Won't touch that, don't panic. Um, but then people um, wanted me to recite particular poems, and so I introduced a feature called A Soothing 60 Seconds, because um, TikTok can be quite manic, um, and there's lots of people kind of shouting and doing dance routines and doing crazy stunts. And I thought, actually, I'm gonna go complete opposite direction and I'm gonna have like just a 60 seconds of mindfulness and relaxing poetry. Um, so there's, yeah, a poetry post every single morning usually. And then in the evening, I do a, a kind of language skit. Um, and that's the thing that really made my account blow up. I did a post around um, plurals. Um, I. It was so strange because basically I, I had the realization one day that the plural of moose is moose um, <laughs> and obviously I'd never really considered it before because English is my first language and then there's all these things that we just take for granted because we're just so used to saying them and that's just what we've learned whereas actually on examination you suddenly go hang on a minute that's really odd so um, and like the plural of sheep is sheep and so I, I imagined a meeting between the two people who were trying to decide what the plural should be and that um, went hugely viral and then loads of people said oh you should make this into a series and I was a bit reluctant about that at first just because I've seen people have posts that went viral and then they've tried to recapture that same magic and it's not really been as good um, and I didn't want it to taint the success of the first one mm. so, oh I'll give it a go so I did a follow-up video and then that one blew up again and then ever since then I've been doing a language post every single day so um yeah, my last one has been around the word tip and about how it means to be like to upend something or to take something to the tip or to tip a waiter or to give advice or, or information. Um, and people seem to have really connected with it, particularly people who learn English as a foreign language or people who are teaching um, preschoolers um, <laughs> and have had these struggles in conversations with them. Um, and I think hopefully it's it's helped them to understand that even adults are still get, scratching their heads around the logic or lack of in our stupid language. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's stupid but expressive language and one that is helping you get a million followers. So, you know, I think... <laughs> and the other thing I think about TikTok is you were saying about its creativity. I think it's, for me, the only platform that encourages um, collaboration in... Um, in such an obvious way because you can stitch people's videos you can duet them which is where your video will appear directly next to theirs um, and I've not really seen that on any other platform um, and it reminds me of when I first joined Twitter about 11 years ago um, mm. I, I was connecting with people all over the world at the time I was doing my master's degree and there were academics who were sending me um, their papers from like the United States and from Canada people I would never have access to and the same kind of thing now is happening on TikTok. So there's um, a guy called um, Scott Christian Sava, who's uh, a film director and a writer and an artist. And he's done like some Spider-Man graphic novels and things like that. And I logged into TikTok one day and he was doing a portrait of me. And I was like, <laughs> what? what is happening? Um, there was somebody who's done a portrait of me using a typewriter um and yeah it's just so strange but scott has we've kept in touch and he's um we're collaborating on a piece together where he's going to do um his interpretation of that famous painting of ophelia in the lake mm -hmm. and i'm going to do a soothing recitation of some of the lines from hamlet and then we're going to kind of work together on that so really exciting it's and I say it's it's that ability to reach out across the world. It is one community. It's all one space. Uh, however large a geographical area to be over, and I think what people don't get necessarily because anyone unsuccessful on TikTok, it, it is a platform where it did shows talent. And 
I know you, you, you've already not forgiven me for calling you a star at the front of this, but I mean, you are a proper performer. You are, there's a reason why people pay for you to turn up and host events. That it, it, it is part of you. You, you, you do that. You're, you're amazing. And the way you interact with an audience, whether they're there or not, is clearly working. And I, I think that is going to shine through and clearly does in, in what you're doing and, and the way in which it's been received. Thank you. That's very kind of you. But I think the reason I find it so strange is because a lot of my um, performance style when I'm at cabaret shows is very much kind of interacting with the audience and taking what they say to me. And it feels a bit more like a conversation because I personally feel that cabaret should be about those particular people in that particular space at that particular time, because you're never going to have that same combination of performers or audience ever again. Um, whereas with TikTok, obviously, it's just me talking to the screen and it's just very strange. Very, very strange. Which your own reflection. And in, in that reflection, I think that's probably what makes the difference, isn't it? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm still trying to get my head around it all. It's still hugely surprising. And I think the, the other reason it's so surprising is I never started TikTok because I wanted to get a million followers. I'd never entertained this. I'd never really had any kind of strategy. It's just happened kind of accidentally. Um, but yeah, I'm still I'm having a lovely time doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, keep up the good work and keep inspiring people, even if it's only to to paint you. And I say only to paint you in a uh, not negative way at all. But if, if they they they, they, oh, want, they want you on their wall, I mean that that is that's yeah. probably what it is. <laughs> yeah. Heaven forfend. I can't. <laughs> I can't even. Uh, yeah, it's really difficult to process. Well, really. I, I'm going to look forward to the uh, the range of uh, everything from lunch boxes to coffee mugs that uh, you start to appear on in yeah, the. Uh, there'll be a picture of me on that cushion behind you. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be uh, amazing. That, we can do that. Uh, so uh, it's uh, going to be a continued treat. Here's to the next what nine million followers to get it to a, a nice round ten million, which can't be that far off now. To be fair, the way you're going, no. um, these things tend to go exponentially. But it's great to have a local performer with you know, this this global stage, and before you know it, there'll be a, you know that's probably a Channel Five documentary. Well, who knows? I'll, <laughs> I'll bring you along for a, for a sneak peek behind the scenes if that happens. Well, that uh, that sounds like a deal to me. Right. So we need to know how to find you on the socials and talk about forthcoming events and, of course. TikTok too. Fantastic. Yeah. So on the socials, you can find me at stage underscore door underscore Johnny. That's both on TikTok and on Instagram. And where it comes to forthcoming events, my next one is in uh, Litchfield uh, on October 30th, I believe. Mm -hmm. So the next Trade Trade Cabaret is at St. Mary's uh, on October 30th. But before that, I do have a separate show, which is my bingo show called Ooh. Bingo Hun. And that's September 25th. At, and that's also at the hub, St. Mary's. And it's a really lighthearted, silly bingo show um, and featuring lots of songs from the 1990s. It's great. <laughs> Sounds like jolly, jolly good fun. And it will be amazing. And uh, yeah, when it comes to, to, to all of these things, I mean, when you're searching, say, say you pop into TikTok, because I have to admit, I haven't followed you on TikTok. I just searched for the word stage and then Door Johnny came up automatically. Really? Yeah, so uh, you're pretty well known within the platform. I think it loves you, to be fair. <laughs> and you can understand why everybody else has ever met you does too. And uh, we look forward to more content from you. And I say, I, I can't wait to see you in real life in something again in the near future. So Not September good. sounds like it could be good fun and a bit of bingo might be just on the cards for me. Absolutely. Who knows, <laughs> who knows what you might win? Last time there were exercise DVDs from um, people in Big Brother. So it's not very serious bingo in the slightest. But I could probably do with the exercise. There we go. We'll see how it works out. Richard Boyden, aka Stage Door Johnny, thank you for joining us. It's my absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Jason. Have a great day. Now, week 13 in a band, you can always expect the unexpected from, including a mug, it seems, for Black Country Day. Guitarist extraordinaire Wesley Smith joins me now. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm all right. Everything going okay in your world? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. Just, and busy, uh, which is what counts, because I know you've been producing some fantastic music uh, throughout. You've been in the studio on and off for quite some time, as lockdown has allowed. And uh, you guys have just got this massive work ethic, haven't you? Yeah, we're, we like to push ourselves <laughs> as much as possible. So, so what has been going on? Give us the rundown of most recent antics. We've been in and finished the album, finally. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a road now of mixing and then mastering and 
plug in everything promotion wise, get it all ready, ready to relaunch, hopefully around this time next year. So, but that is going to be big. And you know, 12 months, it, it may sound like a long time and feel like a bit of a long time at the moment, but uh, with the level of perfection you guys put into every single thing you release, I'm not exactly shocked it's going to take 12 months to get there. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got some big plans up our sleeves. That's going to be good. But you are up to something with the old coffee mug at the moment. And I've seen you posing with a, a Week 13 uh, mug. It's great to have merchandise. I, I, I like my merchandise too. But yeah. uh, you know, what is going on there? Because with Black Country down the 14th of July, it's going to be uh, an interesting time to have a cuppa. Nick had a design that was us wrapped in the Black Country flag anyway. So we thought, why not use it as merch? And what better than something as Black Country as a Boston cup of tea? Absolutely spot on <laughs> every single time. <laughs> that, I mean, that's good for yourself as well. And but these are selling and they are selling fast, aren't they? Yeah, that's the. They're being picked up quick, pretty quick. Uh, they're not actually fully available till the 13th. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, people are asking big time. So you've got to get your pre-orders in. That's the important bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll look out for that. But I mean, Black Country Day, so it's, it's marked from uh, uh, across the region. And uh, yeah, Wolverhampton likes to be a, a part of it too. And I know I've been involved in some brilliant events in the past. But, I mean, you boys uh, are used to performing across the area. Where I mean, you, let's face it, you are huge, aren't you? We, yeah. I think we're bigger than what we think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's a, it, it is uh, good to see a band doing so well. And we're something that's so different. Uh, I mean, is there anything specific at the moment that we can talk about musically that, that is available out there for people to go and download and stream and buy on CD? Yeah, we've got uh, the singles that we've done and uh, the whole first albums out there. It's all, it's all, the, all the streaming sites and you can get it from the website. It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the mug is an interesting addition to the, the repertoire. Uh, that's quite cool in itself. Right, you get to pick a song, then what song are we going to take a listen to? Which, which features guitar quite heavily? Ashes and Autumn. I like okay. that one. We'll take a listen to that. And uh, where do we find you and uh, pre-order mugs uh, online? From any week13.co.uk. It's got all the links to any social media. Check it all out there and uh, you can uh, uh, be enjoying a, a proper Boston cup of tea from a proper week 13 walk. Definitely. Always, oh, Smith. Always good to catch up with the band. Uh, nice to actually meet you as opposed to seeing you in the background on videos. And uh, we look forward to, to more brilliant work from you and particular album launch next year. And I'm hoping to be the album launch party as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, no problem. The invites. Stick me on the guest <laughs> list. Thanks for that, mate. Cheers. And you. See ya.
man of the people, writer of, of words and performer of stuff, uh, is here with me for a bit of an about his current goings on. Hello. Good morning, how are you? I'm all right, is your world okay? What are you doing getting me out of bed at this time in the morning? What do you want? What, what do you well, need? This, this is, oh, we've got to see what's actually happening with you because I know that you've been busy constructing stuff, getting people to record it and stick it out in the world in the likes of the, your work on Peter Sellers. We'll talk about that briefly. Audible oh, yes. is a place for that. Uh, but also there's books, there's, there's uh, a schools project as well, and uh, there's lots going on. What's happening? There's all sorts going on. See, from, Covid was everything stopped during Covid last year. Everything slowed down. I've been tapping away and writing and creating stuff out of my imagination. Then suddenly it's all culminated this year when all these projects and plans have come to fruition. So I've got one thing after another at the moment. It's all gone a bit mad. Okay, and the thing right. I'm working on at the moment is this one. Let me just show you the picture. Look, by the magic of technology yeah. and a well-placed piece of blue tack, which I'll put over the camera now. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to see the book machine and the book machine is a project I've been doing in schools over the past 10 weeks and we've been building a, a book together, a book out of the children's imagination which I've helped write with them every week. You see that little video of me down on the left as you look at it? Yes. That's me. I come into the school and I say I need help writing my book. Give me some ideas for characters, settings and plots and they send them all in. They send them via the wonders of email and I create a chapter. In the middle is a big, long chapter about the staggeringly awesome story of Mr. Wright. Mm -hmm. And we've built it up over eight chapters and they can read the whole story. Then right at the bottom, they can listen to me doing an audio rendition of it as well. And then over mm -hmm. on the far side, the far right, are the options. They have three choices where the story could go and they vote in their classes and they decide where it's going to go and they send the votes to me and I weave all this into the story and then at the end of the eight weeks which is where we've come to at the moment we create a book so I put all these all these together and we've created a book which will go into the schools um, in the next two or three weeks once it's printed and every child will have a copy of the story that they wrote with me the staggeringly awesome story of Mr Wright and to add a little bit of uh, jeopardy and excitement to it we've, we've got a countdown Mm -hmm. see above the, the options there, there's a little oh, countdown. Yeah. So in, in real life, that counts down. Exactly, that, that's frozen, you see. Otherwise, I'd be moving as well. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a countdown to the, when the next chapter is published. So it adds a bit of tension, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of drama to the whole thing. We like drama, we like good writing, and we love the fact that kids are actually being you know, introduced to the world of creativity with all of this, which is exactly. jolly good fun. And, it's so, and a lot of the stuff that happened in the story, I got no idea about. I wrote the first chapter, and I thought, I've no idea where this is going to go. And then suddenly kids start to give me ideas and jokes and descriptions. And I'm thinking, this is brilliant. And then I can riff on those and add to them. And then each week it gets projected on their interactive whiteboard. Ooh. And then, of course, every child is going, oh, that's my bit. That's my bit. Well, I thought of that. I, I created that name. And thus they have a, a real, uh, it's an empowering process for them to be part of the whole creative process of creating a book. They've done it. They've written it with me. And then this, uh, say, so this been Wolverhampton Schools for, for this time around. Wolverhampton Schools and two in Kent as well. So I'm starting to spread my wings all around. Well, hey, then. An Arts Council uh, funded project. And yeah. I say we've been doing it for, for 10 weeks. Is it 10? It's eight chapters that we've done. We were meant to start in January. Right. There were no, there were no schools in going to, no children <laughs> going into schools at that point. Mm -hmm. So I would have just looked a fool doing it on my own. So we moved it all the way forward. But now, of course, the rush is on to get the book out before the uh, the end of the, the holidays. But this, but this is the fact they have something tangible to take away, stick on their bookshelf. I mean, we've got a massive bookshelf behind you on this Zoom call, uh, all of your own work. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is about the joy that every author gets when they, however many books you publish, in your case, hundreds, you still get a buzz when that box of books turns up. Absolutely. Oh, that's so thrilling. It's, it's exactly as thrilling as it was from the very first time. I wrote my first book in 2003. God, it's a lifetime. What's that, 17, 18 years now? And the first time I opened the box of books that I'd written, you know, a, a published copy bound together. Oh, my word. It was an absolutely delirious moment. And it's still the same to this day. I had a couple of books during Chris, Chris White. You know Chris White? He's a illustrator and poet friend of mine. During lockdown, we wrote a couple of books together. Books of poetry. Can you see those? Boo. Boo, yes. Which is all about uh, ghosts and ghoulies. And we did a sequel to that called Splosh, which was all about wet things and pirates and, and all that kind of stuff we did those during the during lockdown just to amuse ourselves more than anything but when the box arrives and you get a smell of a new book mm -hmm. all the ideas are preserved into a little 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 box of, of, of ideas called a book and uh, you get to share it with all your friends which is very very exciting and it and is well worth to do that as well and it's well worth reading your work absolutely glorious stuff loving Thank all of that much. 
And uh, that is, yeah, not only do we get to read it, but we get to hear some of it too. And, and other people putting together words that you've created and making it into uh, a, a bit of an audio play. And this is what's happened with the Peter Sellers work. And uh, this is available now on audio, uh, on right. Audible. And I have actually used one of my Audible credits on you. Oh, have you? Have you heard yeah. it? I have been listening. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Yeah, that started a couple of years ago. I, I'd written children's books for years and years and years and pantomimes and children's plays. I thought, oh, my career is based on the idea of looking around and clapping my hands and saying, what haven't I done yet? What can I try next? So I started to write radio plays. And I wrote a play for Radio 4 about Spike Milligan, another one about Ken Dodd. And there's a theme starting to emerge here. Mm -hmm. And the current play is about Peter Sellers. This isn't for the BBC. This is for uh, Audible. And look, if I put my blue tack there, there used to be a me which comes from Peter Sellers' uh, phrase that uh, they used to be a me, but I had it surgically removed. He, he didn't believe that he had his own personality. And as you can see on the picture there, he played so many different diverse characters. It was quite an extraordinary performance. So I wrote a radio play for a company called Spiteful Puppet, and they, they publish all their work on, on Audible. And the, uh, the, 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 the Peter Sellers is played by Alfred Molina, who has just finished filming the new Spider-Man movie. He's playing mm -hmm. Captain Dr. Octopus. It's, he's got some kind of qualification to be an octopus. I'm not sure he's a doctor or <laughs> captain. And um, yeah, so in the break, after, after having finished that, he decided he wanted to play Peter Sellers for us. And there he is. And if I was able to scroll that picture down, you'll be able to see a little picture of Alfred at the bottom as Peter Sellers. But unfortunately, I can't do that. So that's <laughs> out now and available um, on Am wherever you would get your audiobooks. Amazon, Audible, Apple Play. Oh, I don't know. All various platforms there's so many platforms these days you know it is, it? platform central but it, it does sound wonderful too absolutely loving i i haven't listened to all of it what i did was i had a little sample just so i knew what was going on and yeah. i wanted to sit, but then i want to sit down and listen to it properly because i think you have to listen to these things properly don't you i think that, that's yeah. the problem it is and because this is the kind of play that only has one actor in it who plays thousands of characters because the conceit of the play is that peter sellers is making a radio play about his life and he plays every character in his life as he would perceive it and he, the way he would like it done. So it's a slightly sort of a, it's a, it's a play, riffing around with the truth as Sellers would portray it. Mm -hmm. And then the truth comes and bites him on the bum at the end. But you'll mm -hmm. have to listen to find out how. I writes all these different characterizations quite, quite brilliantly. We're so lucky to have him. He was recording it in, in Los Angeles and I was sitting at home in Wolverhampton. Listening to it as it happened. The wonder of technology, much like we're doing now. It is amazing. And when you look at Peter Sellers' life, tragically cut short so young uh, by, uh, by health issues, uh, something which has happened uh, multiple times in his family, and it's absolutely just a, a complete loss to the world of entertainment. And he was really at his prime when, uh, when, when we lost him. Well, yeah, and he was the same age as I am now, unbelievably. He was quite ill towards the end, and he looked much older than he actually was. He looked as if he'd lived a, a hundred lives, which in many ways, through his work, he had. He'd been so many different people, and he just became a husk of his former self. And it was a sad way, sad that we lost him. And it makes you wonder what he could have done. I know he was, he was up to play King Lear, would you believe, mm -hmm. um, at one point. That would have been amazing. But um, sadly, it was not to be. So hopefully this radio play provides some kind of biographical detail that a lot of people don't know and allows him to sort of have a, have a, have a voice and to talk about his life from his point of view. Well, all of that and the books and so much more going on. And Panto is going to be back this year. Now, I know you've had a bit of fun working with one of your colleagues, Brad Fitt, uh, oh, in, uh, in, in Shrewsbury recently. But uh, what have we got lined up for you and Panto? Is there anything uh, on the way this year? Well, I'm, I'm in conversation. My people are talking to their people. We've got nothing on, on, you know, nothing contracted yet, but we're working on it. So something will turn up. There's always a pantomime. It'll, it'll, it'll be, I'll be somewhere directing something or maybe appearing in something. Well, it'd be good to see you appearing because, I mean, we, it, it, you can direct at the same time as appearing in things because you get you get them sorted, you set them up, and then you nip along every once in a while to tell them off if they're not doing what you want. That's wanted. exactly as it is, Jason. Yeah, all you do is nip along every now and then tell them what to do. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. as it is. But, uh, you know, the, 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 when it comes to actually performing, though, you are just an absolute whale with the audiences and uh, you get to be uh, an amazing comedy fall to virtually every panto I've ever seen you in. It is oh, you're wonderful. Oh, thank you. And yeah, Yesterday, I was in front of an, a live audience for the first time in over a year. It was wonderful. I had not been looked at in months. And I just, <laughs> look at me, I'm back. And, the, and it was a lovely audience. This is Brad Fitt, who does the, uh, the pantomime, the Shrew Shrewsbury Riviera, is the dame. And he was doing a special sort of tribute to pantomime show. And I was the guest yesterday afternoon. Friday afternoon, the guest was Christopher Biggins. Then it was me. Mm -hmm. And last night was um, Paul Henry, Benny from Crossroads. Oh, that's cool. 
So it was, <laughs> that was great. And it was wonderful to work with Brad. It was wonderful to be on stage and to be able to perform once again in a panto-like environment anyway. Yeah, and, and, and get a good song in every once in a while. And I did a, a recitation of the Telford song, would you believe? <laughs> but yeah. we, we, we need to know where we can get hold of everything. We've mentioned Audible for the place for the Peter Sellers thing. Yeah, so the Peter Sellers, you... they used to be on, these, on Audible and all those platforms where you download your audiobooks from and Amazon as well. Mm -hmm. The Book Machine is a, is a private um, a private thing that we do just within the schools, but there's also my other books, which are available on Amazon. You can buy very reasonably priced. You, you've got lots of copies, haven't you, Jason? I have. And of course, Billy Plonker. Billy Plonker and the Grot Laboratory, which, is, uh, which came out last year, and I'm working on a follow-up, hot off the press news, nobody else knows this. Um, hopefully that'll be coming out next year. Maybe I'll come along and talk to you about that. It'd be good. I'd be good to see you in real life that time around as well. In the remember the real world. Remember oh, that? happy days. And we could shake hands and touch people rather than sort of do that strange thing with your elbow. I thought the elbow thing I quite like actually. But there we go. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> what's the website? Well, my website. My yeah, website. Yeah, generally, yeah. As we're talking to you, I thought I'd go for your website. What do know? I just thought we were just generally chatting about websites. <laughs> um, it's Ian. It's imaginatively titled ianbillings.com. So you go out and, and, and read about the man so you can read his work. Yep, you can contact me through there, you can get the works and find out all about me and what I do. Ian, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we look forward to the, the next event uh, with you uh, appearing in front of those real people who like to stare. Cheers, mate. See you very, very soon. <laughs>
I, I, you know, I think it's understandable in a way why so many people have fallen into this trap and everything's different at the moment and everything's changing. So if you get, you know, you see an advert on social media or you get a, an email or something like that and you think, wow, this is a great opportunity, a holiday that I might not be able to get otherwise because I've been looking and everything's booked up or everything's really expensive. I'm going to secure this straight away by sending my deposit over. You could be in for a nasty surprise. So what I would say is that people just don't rush it. Just take a, take a, a step back. Don't click on anything, links or emails or texts that you're not expecting and ask somebody that you trust you know, whether they would be comfortable handing their money over, verify who you're sending it to. But the gold standard is always going to be paid by card um, because then you've got the protections. And if you want any more tips or advice, then you can go over to the lloydsbank.com website, which you don't have to be a customer. It's all free advice. And just go and have a look at some of their tips on there. Yeah, because I mean, there could be fake websites. Uh, the other important thing we need to be looking for is HTTPS in the top corner and that little lock key when you're actually on a website to make sure it is safe and secure as best it can be. You'll see that if you go somewhere like Airbnb. And of course, they, they and other companies like them only take official card providers and the likes of Apple Pay and, uh, and Google Pay uh, to, uh, to, to, to get that cash over to them. They won't be looking for a, a bank transfer. And as we say, that is something which should ring alarm bells. And it's again, it's that pressure of time, isn't it? If somebody says, oh, you've got to do that by a certain point. Then... Because we've got other people interested yeah. or because prices are going to go up and those are the only dates left. And that's the sort of position we're in as a country at the moment because everyone is, is sort of getting cabin fever from being cooped up and locked down for such a long time that, that, that people are desperate to get away. And so it's, it, and it's not just... Um, you know, people think, oh, well, it's, I wouldn't fall for something like that, you know, but actually anyone can be a victim of this sort of scam because, you know, a lot of people, younger people might be more comfortable with sending money electronically or mm -hmm. might be more comfortable with booking something online without ever actually having spoken to a real person or, or you know, seen anybody. So it's, you know, it can, it can happen to anyone and the websites, the fake websites and the, the sort of fake messages and adverts are so convincing that you just never know so it's best to be safe than sorry yeah and particularly as 288 is the average amount lost some people have lost tens of thousands of pounds in this way and it, mm. you say it is too easy to be caught out absolutely i mean you just think it, it, it especially for people you know if you've not been working much because of all of what's been going on um and your hard-earned cash is going to somebody that, that you'll never be able to get it back it's just heartbreaking to think that one in eight people have actually lost money to this. And it's it's horrible to think that people would actually take advantage of the situation that we're in. But unfortunately, scammers are out there and they'll just take whatever opportunity they can. Yeah, we don't want to give them that opportunity. Give us the web address again where we can find that advice, please. It's lloydsbank.com and that's where you can find lots of tips and advice on how to avoid not only travel scams, but all kinds of scams. So check out the details there and see how we can avoid being caught out. But equally, as we've already said, by paying on your card, you have levels of protection. You can check all of that with your own bank or, of course, if you're a Lloyd's customer, check all that out on their website. And we thank them for having done this survey and, and raised a flag here because we all want to have great holidays, don't we? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, I've been cooped up. I've not been working this year until just recently. I went to Portugal while I was there. It went from green to amber. So I had to quarantine when I came back and everything's so complicated at the moment that if somebody's there on the phone or on an email offering to make life what you think easy for you, then you, you'll be tempted to take um, to take them up on it but all I'm saying is just don't risk it don't take any risks and just make sure that you are being safe absolutely by. whilst we enjoy our temporary place in the sun we need to make sure that we're uh, not putting ourselves in danger either financially or otherwise it sounds like a good plan Jasmine Harmon thank you for joining us thank you for having me A man who is not adverse to picking up either a ukulele or bits of a piano is Matthew Richards. He joins me now for a bit of an atta. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. 
How are you doing? speak with you. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. It's always good to catch up with you. We spoke a little while ago and uh, we uh, had a little insight into your world. And I know at that point you were just sort of getting on top of the Zoom George Formby world uh, because obviously it's changed a bit over the, uh, the last 12 months and still not everyone getting together quite in the in the usual way. Uh, events are still limited for a little while yet at least. But uh, it, it's uh, sort of coming into its own, isn't it, via Zoom? It certainly is, yeah. I mean, uh, although the restrictions are lifting, it's still going on, isn't it, with the Zoom, with the Zoom meetings, and uh, we're still having regular gatherings as well with the George Formby, and uh, it's it's really it's it's increased all the members actually to the George Formby Society. It's really got a new interest going. Once things are much more back to real life, there'll be quite a bit more you know, adding in, so there'll be a real-life meeting and there'll be a Zoom contingent as well. Uh, so uh, you'll be able to so, double these things up a little bit. And uh, exactly. it, when it comes to the love of his music, I mean, does that still seem surprising to you? There are so many fans, considering it's so long since we actually lost him. It really does. I mean, it's surprising that there's interest. And with recent people like Frank Skinner and Harry Hill, who've been playing the ukulele, that sort of got people interested and in joining society as well. But when it comes to the actual instruments themselves, because uh, the ukulele, the banjo uke, which I think we're probably more used to seeing George with, uh, is a, a very different and a much more powerful sound and, and uh, is one that was designed for an era where amplification wasn't quite the, the norm. So uh, uh, when it comes to blasting one of those out on the Zoom link, it probably fries your computer, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's overdrive, isn't it? You know, overdrive ukulele. But um, it's it's really surprising, actually, um, that the banjo uke, as you say, was invented before the days of microphones. But it's got that distinctive sound, hasn't it? You sort of associate it with George Forby, don't you? The banjo uke, when you hear it. Mm -hmm. So what's, uh, what else is going on then? Because I know you're still piano tuning as well. And uh, we, are you rebuilding things from scratch as well, too? Well, what I'm doing, I mean, I'll, I'll take on um, pianos that are, say, completely gone, you know, non-functional. And uh, I end up, you know, refurbishing them, reconditioning them. And uh, especially for clients as well, when they've sort of attained, obtained a piano. And I end up taking the mechanism back, you know, back to my workshop and uh, restoring it. But, you know, it's funny, the lockdown has brought an interest with that because, of course, people are at home and them actually taking up the piano again because I mean for a few years the piano had lost interest mm -hmm. but um a few years ago though with the Elton John adverts I don't know if you remember that uh, at Christmas with the um the, you know the Elton John thing it that has brought an interest into the piano and it's getting really popular again so it's it's really fantastic yeah and I suppose it's uh, the the analog nature of it's quite nice as well uh you, know, you can pick up a keyboard and set it up anywhere you want but Piano is not only a great piece of furniture because you can put your family photos across the top of it, but then it actually makes a great noise too, if you know what you're doing with it. 100%, yeah. Yeah, it is. And uh, of course, as well, I mean, um, for myself, you know, because uh, sort of tuning them all in and everything, the teachers have actually seen, because they're doing it on Zoom as well, they've actually seen what the, sh the students are learning on and they're saying, goodness me, the piano's out of tune type of thing. So they're, they're calling me up now, you know, to get it all get it all back in tune again. So uh, it's, it's really popular. What can you see happening next? Because, uh, I mean, we've had a, a fair few gigs from you in the past. You've been out and you've performed that stuff. Is that like to start again soon? Yes, uh, when the restrictions are, are sort of lifting, you know, hopefully we'll get back to uh, going out performing again. So uh, it'll be, um, you know, it's been well over a year or so since the last uh, performed before the lockdown. So um, it'll be great to get back into real life again. Where do people find you and the George Formby Society on all the socials and everything else that there is? Yeah, out there? If, if you can, if you type in, if you type in MatthewJamesRichards.co.uk, that's my website. You'll and find my all yeah. the details there. Yeah, you'll find all my piano tuning. Or if you type in George Formby Virtual Thrash you'll find the Zoom meetings that we go on and uh, you're more than welcome to come along and have a look. And can you be a spectator as, as well as uh, a performer? Yes, you can. Yeah, no, you're more than welcome to. More than welcome to join in. So if you fancy something yeah. of a change and some of the wonderful work of George Formby, brought to life by one of his many legions of fans uh, across the UK and, in fact, the world now, most likely, then do check it all out. Excellent. Well, Matthew, always good to speak to you. And I look forward to uh, uh, hearing more from you in the coming weeks and actually getting you back with the Banjo Uke into the studio at some point. Brilliant, Jason. Great to speak with you.
24% of us in the UK seem to prioritise other people's health over our own. But whilst looking after others, we do need to think a bit about ourselves too. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Kirsten Giles from Medic Alert, their CEO, and Dr Hilary Jones. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon, Good afternoon. Jason. So first of all, Kirsten, tell us a bit about this research. So we conducted some research just to understand, you know, how uh, whether people are practising self-care and how much they... Um, value their own health and found that, you know, lovely news that we're in a, in a uh, country where people are looking after um, other people ahead of themselves. But actually, there's a, there's a really important point there, which is, you know, we found that one in one in four uh, Brits is, is putting other people ahead of them, ahead of themselves when it comes to health issues. And of those with health conditions, you know, only one in three feel they can be open and honest about the conditions that they're suffering from. And this is really um, important because especially if we're trying to look after others, it's really important to look after ourselves. Um, if you're on a plane and the oxygen masks come down, the clear advice is put your oxygen mask on first before you try and help other people. And that's a really good analogy for why it's so important to look after your own health. It gives you more energy, it gives you more headspace, it gives you more peace of mind to know that you would be safe. Um, and, and therefore, you know, you can do a better job of caring for others. And Hilary, obviously, I'm, I'm going to guess people struggle to sometimes go and see their GP about something that's wrong with them, yet they will still badger their friends and family to go and... Yeah, 19% of the respondents in this research said exactly that, that um, they would encourage the other people to go and see the doctor or report to the nurse or, or, or uh, the clinic, uh, but they won't do it themselves. And, and, and that's, that's often because they're focused on the kids or their parents or, you know, somebody in a, in a care home they're looking after. Uh, and in surgery, we see the results of that all the time, because regrettably, um, if you ignore things for too long, um, it becomes harder to, to, to get the right outcome when we treat people. Um, so I would say, look, it's not a question of them or you. It's a question of um, making sure that you devote enough time and it doesn't take long to pick up the phone um, and just get something checked out. Um, it's about peace of mind and talking of peace of mind. One way uh, is to consider if you've got a pre-existing condition, which one in four of the population have, be it dementia or diabetes or epilepsy or heart disease, is to consider wearing some sort of medical ID, um, which tells somebody if a crisis or emergency happens, what condition you have. So that if you can't speak for yourself because of you become confused or your blood sugar is low or be, if you're diabetic or because um, something's happened, you've had a seizure, for example, if you're epileptic, then a first responder or a paramedic or a nurse or a doctor will immediately know from the tag you're wearing, they can find out very quickly what condition you, you have and what best treatment uh, that you need straight away. And this saves lives and it has done for many, many years uh, uh, since Medical Alert has been in existence. Yeah, and as a charity, uh, Kirsten, it's obviously uh, important to get this message out there that mm. there are ways of protecting yourself through something as simple as uh, a bracelet or a, or a necklace. Yeah, absolutely. As Dr. Hillary says, it can save lives and it has and it, and it will continue to do so. But almost as importantly as that, the other thing it provides people with is peace of mind. So knowing that they would be safe in an emergency allows them to live their lives more fully, allows them to be more physically active, to be more social um, and just, you know, removes some of that background worry. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. our members say to us all the time, you know we feel safe because we're because we've got your id on and we know we'd be safe in an emergency so you know we've, we've got your back and we'll provide the information to whoever needs it if you're in trouble and that and that's a it's a little thing peace of mind but it's hugely important in terms of releasing energy and helping people sleep better and you know all sorts of um things come from having having peace of mind mm. and, and hillary again it's a uh, uh, good to know that within those important first you know, five minutes of somebody having an incident that they can get the right treatment and be treated in the right way to ensure they've got a better prognosis in the long term. Well, well without uh, some sort of uh, medical ID like that, um, it's going to take a uh, considerable amount of time for a, a paramedic, nurse or doctor to diagnose what it is. Why is this person unconscious, for example? Why is this person confused? There could be any number of reasons and investigating takes time. Um, however, if they've got a tag, if they've got a, a bracelet or, or a necklace and a number on the back, one phone call, you know immediately what the underlying condition is. You know immediately what they can and can't have uh, a, a, as a form of treatment. It makes so much sense. 
um, it's it, it's it's amazing that we all don't have some kind of um, ability to inform others, um, you know, what we might be allergic to or what best treatment we should have. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Kirsten, it's, it's a chance to get the part of your medical record you want to share because you need it to be out there available, but again, only to those who actually need it. So uh, I've seen these with, with a, like a paper insert in the past, but there's now uh, a way of doing this electronically too for greater detail. So we have medical um, IDs, which people wear, which are largely pieces of metal with, with uh, details engraved on the back. Uh, it's, it's low tech, it's low tech for a really good reason, um, which is that in an emergency, uh, paramedics don't bother with phones. Mm -hmm. you know, phones can get broken, phones may be low on battery, they may be locked, there's all sorts of issues with them. Um, we, we, we are developing an app which will help people to access their details more easily. But in an emergency, this piece of hardware which you're wearing is the most important thing. Um, yeah, and, and what, what goes on there, as you say, is, is up to the member. Um, they choose, but we have registered nurses who will check that to make sure that they believe, given the, the health profile of the individual, that the right things are on there. Um, and, if, and if they're not, they will advise them to, to change the wording. Um, and then in, indeed, keeping up to date is really important. So we support and encourage our members to do that um, so that, you know, as, as their medication changes, their conditions may change that, you know, the, the most up-to-date information is always accessible in case it's needed. And this could be something you know, as simple as maybe the notification they have a pacemaker or something like that fitted as well. That would so be absolutely vital, absolutely vital in an emergency, as Dr. Hillary will tell you. Um, you know, knowing that somebody's got any kind of heart implant is is absolutely crucial. And indeed, our, you know, we can keep the, the registration details of, of that um, implant on our system as well, which could be provided if somebody was taken into an emergency, which again would, would need to be known. And Hillary, I mean, yes, yeah, it, it is vitally important that this sort of information is there. And it, it, it helps, I mean, if you were to be passing something that did happen in the street, as somebody who's obviously uh, medically qualified, you could go in there and help and, and you would have the confidence of being able to treat them the way Absolutely. they needed to be treated. Um, uh, the, the, the medical idea is so readily identifiable um, uh, that, that it, it is, you know, it makes our job that much easier. Um, and as, as we've heard, it saves lives, it saves time and it saves lives. So the next thing we need to do is to make sure anybody who does need this is registered and has uh, the device about their person. Kirsten, how do we do that? So first thing, go to the website, um, medicalert.org.org.uk. Lots of information on there and we're only a phone call away if you need anything more. So do get in touch. And uh, it, it is about that moment whereby we can make a difference and save your own life by the fact that you are carrying that piece of information. I provide you with the peace of mind and your family with the peace of mind that you're going to be okay. That's the important thing. Well, Dr. Hilary Jones and the CEO of Medical Alert, Kirsten Charles, thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Take care now. With 42% of people planning on doing more entertaining in their garden, we need to make sure it is exactly the sort of space we want to be showing off to our friends and family. To tell us more, I'm joined now by gardening expert Mark Lane. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm good. I trust we find you well and enjoying the great outdoors. I am. I just wish it would sun, but the sun would be out, but hey-ho. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's been a bit better. We have had some sunshine this year, which, is better, which is better than, you know, I think 2017 was pretty bad, wasn't it? Yeah. But it, was. uh, it is, uh, you know something that we need to enjoy our gardens with uh you know rain isn't great for standing around having a garden party but it's the surroundings that count too and yep. uh, getting that right is where guys like you come in yeah exactly i mean it's actually called our biophilic need which is actually our innate need to be surrounded by nature or wildlife or greenery mm -hmm. and it's it's fascinating actually because um qvc uk did this research and they wanted to show what that sort of relationship was between the brits and their outdoor spaces and what they actually did last year or at least over the last 18 months and as you rightly said it's fascinating the fact that 42 percent of people are saying that they're going to be entertaining more in their garden space and that also 39 percent have actually taken on more gardening projects than they've ever done before which i think is absolutely wonderful and the fact that they're actually getting something out of it so actually about 28 percent of people say that gardening makes them feel happier and it does because you know getting your fingers into that soil releases serotonin into your brain which is that lovely feel-good feeling see now I, I admit i do enjoy when i get something successful in the garden uh, i have again, I, I i'm averse to doing a lot of hard work but i'm thinking what if i would have a party where everybody comes around brings their own trail and does some weeding for me 
a garden a party exactly yeah. it's a great and idea like a painting when you used to do the old painting parties and you moved into a new house mm -hmm. do exactly the same with the garden give them a give them a little list of what they need to do um and let them get on with it and have a few glasses of their favorite tipple as well at the same time okay so i'm going to draw things from a hat on jobs that need to be done okay i probably should be doing these but what are the main <laughs> things we should be thinking of to get our garden summer party ready so really what you need to do obviously at the moment weeds are going to be growing bilio because obviously if your plants are growing so are your weeds so you're going to need to be hoeing or at least digging out those weeds to keep on top of them and i know weeding is boring but actually if you get into a nice rhythm it can actually be be a lovely sort of mindful act and your mind starts to wander and you sort of de-stress and you relax and your breathing slows down unless of course it's a real thug and you just can't get it out in which case you probably swear a lot um <laughs> but you know hey ho also be a bit more water wise because you know don't just rely on the rain because you know your plants are still going to need water especially if they're growing in pots or hanging baskets or containers so my rule of thumb is if you get your first finger stick it into the top of the soil down to your second knuckle if it feels dry then it needs some watering but if it still feels moist then hold off from watering. And that way you're not gonna overwater your plants because a lot of the time people kill their plants by overwatering. And again, the research from QVC UK showed that 31% of people didn't really know about watering. They didn't quite know what they needed to do or whether they were watering too much or too little. So, you know, it's really, really important. Also, you know, lovely things like lettuces and radishes and fruit are starting to grow in your garden. So pick it regularly. Because if you pick it regularly, you know, you're going to have that lovely food on your own plate. And there's nothing better than, again, teaching the kids, you know, about where the veggies or where the fruit comes from. It really is an important thing. And of course, it's still full of all those wonderful nutrients and the sugars that you lose sometimes when they're seen sitting on a supermarket shelf for all your while. So, you know, they're healthier plant healthier things for you mm -hmm. i would also say you know you're you know down in the west midlands it gets a bit windy doesn't it so yeah, you're gonna need, you know you're gonna have to um stake your plants or at least support your plants in some way and you can do that with a bamboo cane or some sort of more fancier support like an obelisk or something but just tie the plants in don't tie them too tightly let the plants you know let them be able to move a bit because what you're trying to avoid is that complete sort of wind drop because as soon as you get that plant moving backwards and forwards really badly it loosens the, the soil it loosens the roots and therefore the plant can't take up the nutrients or the water that it really needs alongside all this though we need the right equipment to do the job and obviously yeah. with things like peat being just here stopping being sold and yep. we should be using peat free we need to produce our own compost and there's a wide range of goodies available via qvc isn't there there's loads of things on there it's absolutely wonderful you've got plants you've got tools you've got equipment you've got everything you need and that's what what that's what i love about qvc it's that one-stop shop really for gardening and also the fact that we're on there as garden experts to actually help with tips and advice for people so if you're having problems with growing your raspberries or growing your roses or your petunias aren't flowering you know you can get in touch with us and either myself or michael will be there and we can help answer those questions of course, you can find QVC on your telly box. Just select yep. it from the channels in there. And you can also uh, check out social media as well, where you and the team are helping out, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah, you can go to at QVC UK. You can also go to my page, which is at Mark Lane TV. And there's always tips and inspiration on there. And we are just we just want to help people. That's what we're there for. Well, Mark, I'm thinking of having a bit of a garden party. I'm looking at yep. people to bring some tools around. Are you free the weekend? Uh, unfortunately I'm not no <laughs> worth a try absolutely worth a try but uh, good to speak to you thank you for joining us and keep giving those top tips and helping people out when it comes to their gardening thanks Jason that's it all for this week thank you so much for joining me back with episode 629 next week I'll see you then for off now goodbye from the mill bar Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.